HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Big Green Egg, the world's largest producer of ceramic charcoal grills, and also by Springer Mountain Farms, over 300 family farms raising birds in Georgia's Blue Ridge Mountains. Learn more at BigGreenEgg.com and SpringerMountainFarms.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to day two of Heritage Radio Network, live from Charleston Wine and Food Festival. Thanks for joining us. Um, my name is Kat Johnson. I'm the communications director at Heritage. Um, you can check out our full lineup of guests for the weekend at heritageradionetwork.org slash Charleston. And I also want to give a huge thank you to our sponsors, Springer Mountain Farms Chicken and Big Green Egg. Um, we are actually going to be auctioning. Yeah. Thank you. We're going to be auctioning off a Big Green Egg Minimax today and tomorrow until 2.30 p.m. So come by our TP. Bid on that. Um, it comes with a starter kit, so you will really you will be able to start grilling as soon as you get that. So come place your bids. Um, starting off today, I have guests Chris Moon and Todd Richards, and you guys um, welcome, guys. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Uh, you guys are participating in an event tomorrow. James Beard's hosting called Tipping the Scales. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about that event? Sure. So the event tomorrow morning, um, Tipping the Scales, is really an opportunity for us to bring the industry together that's here at the festival to talk a little bit about um, some of the work we've been doing through our impact programs, um, really focusing on helping chefs understand why they're important to the effort to improve the food system in America, both through um, advocacy in their restaurants, but advocacy at the policy level as well. Um, and part of that work has been starting to look at some of the industry issues that exist that a lot of chefs are dealing with today, um, one of which, as we know, is this discussion around hospitality included um, versus traditional tipping methods. Um, and so tomorrow morning, we're going to be going into a little bit of what we've been doing in the impact programs, um, how chefs can get involved in some of the sustainable work that we're doing around things like food waste and sustainable seafood, um, and then staging this debate um, about hospitality included or not. Very cool. And so sustainability is one of the themes of the festival and of our coverage this year. So if, if a chef wants to get involved in, them, in that impact program, what does that look like for them day to day? 
So for us, all of this work really started when we launched the Chef Bootcamp for Policy and Change, um, which started in 2012. And this was really out of the recognition that chefs had achieved this new platform, this new um, very powerful voice in America, but many of them didn't know exactly how to use that voice in the most effective way. And so we piloted a training program in 2012 where we take chefs away for a two-day retreat, do a basic kind of policy refresher about how policy happens in this country, and then dive into what effective advocacy looks like. Um, so that's everything from how to leverage your social media presence around issues you care about to how to uh, you know, leverage elected officials when they come into your restaurant and you want to have a conversation with them, all the way up to going to D.C. to participate in lobbying activities um, at the federal level. And so for us, we've done 10 of those boot camps. We have 150 chefs nationally who've already been trained in this way and that we're continuing to engage and support in a variety of issues they care about. So um, the first step is to go to our website and fill out um, an application. It's a quick questionnaire about a chef's interest, uh, which is at jamesbeard.org slash impact. Um, and then we do three of these per year, are educating about 45 chefs. Um, and we're also rolling out a local version of this to get more chefs through the program. Awesome. Um, Todd, you're going to be cooking the food for tomorrow's event. That is correct. Uh, it's be myself, uh, Mashama Bailey, Nick Melvin, a uh, couple other chefs, Nick Leahy. It's really exciting for us to do this. We're doing chicken and waffles tomorrow, which is probably, you know, the most delicious food, especially on a Sunday after the festival. You know, you know, you need a boost to get out of town or, or, or anything like that. But it's really uh, talking about heritage also and where that whole culture of chicken and waffles came from. So, you know, it's a really great lineup of diverse chefs. They're all going to do their spin on chicken and waffles. Um, at Richard Southern Fried Restaurant I have in, in Atlanta, our chicken waffle is collard green and sweet potato. So we're going to do that one uh, tomorrow as well. So it's like Thanksgiving dinner all in one bite, you know, fried chicken, you know, uh, sweet potatoes, collard greens, and waffles. But it's really exciting to cook with the, with the lineup that we have. That's a really great group of some Georgia chefs. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, you've worked at numerous restaurants in Atlanta. Um, I think the only one that I've been to would be Pig in the Pearl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love those wings. They were one of my favorite things to eat in Atlanta. It, it's so addictive, you know. I mean, you can't eat one of them, you know. So, But that's really just how, you know, you know, cooking, you know, is about technique, and you can take those same techniques and run them across the board. So having a fried chicken restaurant from having a smoke restaurant, also being, you know, a classically trained chef at Ritz-Carlton's and everything like that, it's all about the techniques and making sure that your technique is really solid. You can cook anywhere in the world. Yeah. So you, you've had larger restaurants, smaller restaurants, neighborhood restaurants. Is there one, like, style of restaurant at this point that you prefer? That's a good question. I, I prefer um, restaurants where we can impact change a little bit more than, than just having, you know, dollars come in. I look at Richard Southern Fried that has a counter. It's a walk-up, you know, place in, in a food hall, but we have a counter there. And I just love peeking out of the kitchen, seeing so many diverse people sitting there. You have a guy on, you know, on lunch, you know, in a tie, you know, shirt on. He puts his tie around his, you know, rolls up his sleeve. He's in there. He looks up. He's got, you know, hot sauce all around his mouth and everything. <laughs> you know? And, you know, and then you see a family, you know, uh, of immigrants, you know, who are sitting there as well. You know, only one person speaks English. And then you have, you know, you know actors and, and everything come, you know, sit down at the counter. So it's such a diverse. And the next thing you know, they're all just having a conversation. 
And, and that changes the whole landscape of culture, you know, through food. My mission, you know, in my third quarter of my career is really making those changes through food and not having to beat the drum of the message. You know, I just put fried chicken in front of somebody and sit back and let them talk. And then that changes the perspective. And I've made those changes without having to hit someone over the head with it. Yeah. And you're also going to be starting to work in wine, champagne, correct? Yeah, everyone, um, I, I don't know if it's a good thing, but everyone knows that I, I, I have a glass of champagne for breakfast uh, every, every day. If you could see him right now. Yeah, if you could yeah. see this now, you know, uh, it's a little later, later uh, than usual. It's usually about 7, 8 in the morning, but I have it before <laughs> coffee. Uh, I really don't drink coffee till the afternoon, but it's just something that I really... Uh, it was really a mindset thing that I think there's so much to celebrate. And if you're not celebrating, starting your day celebrating, then you're going to have, you know, really bad outcomes, you know. And, you know, I just got married. We have a beautiful family. My dad moved down. He's 79 now. He moved down from Chicago. So life is very good. And it's just a mindset of making sure that I remind myself that life should always be good, you know. That's really great advice for everybody. I may have to try that myself. Yeah, I think champagne for breakfast is a tradition. The, 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 the only thing is that, that our garbage can on, on pickup sounds like a sports bar. More, <laughs> <laughs> you know, all the all the bottles. It's like, damn, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot What's of bottles. Drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we're gonna wrap up shortly, but I wanted to take an opportunity um, to give you guys both a chance to shout out an organization that you are e either involved in or just, um, you know, is in your community that you think is doing a really good job with um, food issues or, yeah. Yeah, I, I can start. I just uh, was named to the board of Wholesome Wave, and it's such a great program where, you know, we're matching uh, dollar for dollar uh, SNAP or food assistance uh, to people with lower incomes, and they get to go to farmer's markets and get same vegetables that I'm using in the restaurant. And it's such a wonderful thing because... You know, my dad, who is 79, who has enough retirement and Social Security to pay for his uh, rent, to pay for, you know, lights and everything. But as far as food goes, he doesn't have enough money to do that. So it's a benefit to me that he can actually go to the market, get tomatoes, because we used to grow tomatoes at the house. We don't grow enough for him anymore because he loves them that much. But he can walk around there, get his tomatoes, get all those things and have a value and have a sense of pride about him still at 79 being able to take care of himself. You know, so I think it's just a wonderful program. It, it serves so many different people from so many different backgrounds that I'm just lucky that they asked me to be on the board and continue the mission that was started. What about you, Chris? Well, I have to start by shouting out the James Beard Foundation um, because I'm really proud of the work that we've started to do in the last five to six years, um, which most people don't necessarily know about us. But um, the other organization that I would call out right now that we're doing a lot of work with is the Natural Resources Defense Council, NRDC, um, who has a really fantastic food waste program right now that we've partnered up on. They have a cities program, and we just launched a pilot in Nashville um, with a group of chefs in Nashville to take a challenge to reduce food waste in that community, um, which is going to conclude in June and was really spearheaded by the mayor. So I'm just, they do a lot of other work um, to protect the environment that is really great as well. Um, but I'm really impressed with the food waste work that they're doing right now. Awesome. Well, thank you guys both for joining me. I know you guys have a huge lineup of events this weekend and you have more champagne to drink. And <laughs> Of course. <laughs> um, 
Once again, I was joined by Chris Moon and Todd Richards. Uh, you can catch them tomorrow morning at the Tipping the Scales event. Uh, you can RSVP for that still, I, I believe. Correct. Cool. Yeah. All right, so we'll be back shortly. We have some really great guests coming up soon. Uh, once again, you can check our full schedule at heritageradionetwork.org slash Charleston. Thanks once again to our sponsors, Big Green Egg and Springer Mountain Farms. Make sure you come by and bid on that Big Green Egg Mini Max and get grilling. I'm Kat Johnson, and we'll be back in a minute. This episode is brought to you by Big Green Egg, the world's largest producer of ceramic charcoal grills. In business since 1974, they've transformed ancient cooking vessels into modern-day masterpieces. Today, they sell seven sizes of the egg, as well as hundreds of accessories designed to make your cooking fun, entertaining, and delicious. Often copied but never equaled, the Big Green Egg is the ultimate cooking experience. Learn more at BigGreenEgg.com. This episode is also brought to you by Springer Mountain Farms, over 300 family farmers raising birds in Georgia's Blue Ridge Mountains. Many of them are second and even third generation. They're committed to doing things the right way. Springer was one of the first poultry companies to forego the use of antibiotics, and they've embraced other humane practices too. In fact, they were the first poultry company to earn the American Humane Association seal of approval. Learn more at springermountainfarms.com.